Over the past four weeks, we've been in this series called It Takes Faith. We've talked about what faith is. We've talked about how to grow in our faith. We've talked about fighting the good fight of faith. Uh, And last week, we talked about how do we remain close to God when we are fighting our fight when it comes to the calling that God has for our lives. And we filled out little yellow cards. If you didn't have a chance to fill one of those out and you call this place home, they're on that table. Get one after service, fill it out, putting it in the offering bucket. But today, I want to finish this series on what I hope is a message that inspires you the most. Um, let's look at our outline and let's, let's read this together in green ink. With every, let's start all together, ready to read. With every new revelation comes a fresh dedication. I'm going to read it again. With every new revelation comes a fresh dedication dedication. When you give your life to Jesus, you have a new revelation of who Jesus is, and then what does that cause you to do? It causes you to have a fresh dedication to Him. Whenever you're learning a new hobby, you get a fresh revelation of this new hobby, and what does that fresh revelation cause you to do? To get better at your hobby, to learn more about it. When you have a a, a brand new revelation of something, it causes and allows for a fresh dedication of your life to that thing. I remember when I first started playing golf, I was terrible at it, but I would go out and play and I would hit probably a thousand bad shots, but when I hit a good shot, what would it do? It got me pumped up. It got me all excited. Look at me. I'm a good golfer. Ah, I had a fresh revelation. I can hit that ball the way it's supposed to. And because I hit one the way it was supposed to, it gave me a new dedication. I learned my golf grip. I learned my stance, where to put the ball in the middle. I learned to keep my elbow. I learned all these things. And every new thing I learned gave me a new desire to want to be better at that thing of which I'm learning how to do. Then after a while... I got it figured out, and I began, I began to have a passion and a love for the game of golf. And I, I'm sure it's like many of you know what that is. When you're learning something new, you enjoy it. It refreshes you. And when it refreshes you, it gives you a new dedication to that thing. So let me say it again. With every new revelation comes a fresh dedication. Over these past few weeks in our faith series, I hope you have had some revelations in your life. I hope that you have learned something. I I hope that you have heard something that has spoke to you. I hope that you have taken what we've talked about and said there's something to living a life of faith. And you've put that into practice. Last week we talked about fulfilling your calling. We're going to help you fulfill the calling that God has upon your life here at this church. Get that yellow card, fill it out, put it in the bucket. We'll be in contact with you the next few weeks as we begin to work those things out. So let me say this again. I want you to get this statement. With every new revelation comes... In week five of It Takes Faith, we conclude this series on this concept. It takes faith to go all in. God just doesn't want to hear it from our lips. He wants to see our faith in movement, in in action. It it says in the Bible, let's look at your outline, Mark 4, 23. Do you you want to read this? Do you want to turn your microphone on? You can read it real quick. Sorry, I should have told her that a while ago. That's okay. If anyone has ears to hear, 
what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What I want you to get out of this is the degree of power in your life is completely under your control. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The degree of power in your life is completely under your control on what you decide to do with the measure of faith that God has given to you. But how do we increase the measure of power in our lives? Let's write down. Let's fill out some blanks in your outline. The measure of thoughts and study you give to the Word. The answers are on the screen behind me if you didn't catch it. When you say you don't have time to get into the Word, that is a bad place to be. Why? Because you never know when you're going to need the power of the, of the Word of God in your life. If you have no relationship established and being developed continually, when it comes to making with a withdrawal on that relationship, you have more to fight through. Let me explain it. Uh, because I have a relationship with most of you in here, I feel that I could call any one of you during the week, and whatever I called you on to ask if you would help, most of you would say, yes, Taylor, I would be more than happy to help. But if I were to call Courtney's sister and say, hey, Courtney's sister, my name's Taylor. I need you to come work up here at the church for me today. She may not say it, but she would think, just because you know my sister doesn't mean you know me, and just because you know her doesn't mean I'm going to come help you all day long. There has to be a personal relationship in order for me to draw, uh, to make a withdrawal from that relationship. I could call Courtney, and she would more than likely come up and help whatever we needed. Because there is a relationship there. Uh, let, me, let me say it a, another way. If you go to the bank and you put $100,000 in your account, you can go to the ATM as often as you want and make withdrawals. But at some point, if you don't keep putting deposits in the bank account, you will go into your account and say what Adrienne's account says, insufficient funds. <laughs> <laughs> You, you have got to continually make deposits into the account if you're going to be making withdrawals on that account. When it comes to your relationship with God, if you want to walk in faith, the faith that God wants you to walk in, if you're not making deposits into that relationship, at some point the withdrawal will not be there for you to make. I have to make deposits. And whenever you walk in your faith, you are making those deposits. Whenever you spend time in the Word of God, and I, you get my analogy. I'm not just talking money. It's just, I'm using that because we all understand it. It, it, it. When you spend time in the Word of God, cha-ching. When, when you spend time in prayer, cha-ching. When, when you spend time walking in the calling that God has for your life, when, whenever, whenever you step out in faith and someone in your uh, life at the drive-thru and you feel God prompt you to say something encouraging or to pray for that person and you actually do it. Yeah. The, the, you you got to live your life in such a way that whenever you say, God, I'm going to devote this time in prayer, what are you doing? 
Yeah. You are making deposits so that way you can withdraw on that account. If you don't make the deposits, you won't be able to make the the withdrawal. Whenever you live a life of faith, there are deposits you have to make because as a life of faith, there are withdrawals that we have to make all the time. And if we're not constantly putting the Word of God in us, at some point, the withdrawal won't be there. Are you following me on that? Uh, you're, you're probably thinking, you know, that sounds a lot like works. You're right. Let's look at your notes. James 2.14. Faith without, what's that word say? Oh. Is dead. In order to increase in our faith, you have control of the measure of faith that you operate in. I, we read it, in, or Adrienne read it in verse 24. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. If you don't use your measure, it will not be measured back to you. You will not grow in your faith if you don't use what God has given you. Are we following on that? Okay. Your faith in your life becomes the operating force that drives your relationship with God. If you have little faith, you will have a little desire to seek God. But if you have great faith, you will have a great desire to seek God. Why is that? The more faith that you have, the more faith that is required of you to live the life of faith that God wants you to walk in. The more faith that we live by, the greater the balance of our account is. There is a story in the New Testament in the book of Luke, chapter 10, about a lady named Martha. Martha faced a situation that wasn't looking good. Her brother Lazarus was sick and getting worse. Martha and her sister Mary were very close to Jesus. They sent word to Jesus to come and pray for Lazarus, but Jesus was in another city and he kept getting delayed. After a day or so, Martha is wondering, where in the world is Jesus? Why is he not here? She asked her messenger, did you tell him that it was urgent? Did you tell him it was me? Did you tell him it was Martha? Martha is the one making the request. Another day went by and they're still waiting. Still no Jesus. The next morning, After three days of waiting, every hour that goes by, they're getting more and more upset and scared. Lazarus is getting worse. By the end of the third day, Lazarus dies. Four days after Lazarus died, guess who shows up? (laughs) Jesus. He comes to the door and knocks. And they let him in. And Jesus is like, hey, I'm here. What can I do for you? I don't know about you, but it seems like at times God doesn't show up when we want him to. I wanted him here three days earlier, but Jesus wanted to wait and make sure the miracle that was about to happen could only be attributed to God. Martha is crying and says, if you would have been here sooner, Lazarus would have never died. Martha could have turned and and got bitter and and got mad, but, but she didn't. On the worst day of Martha's life, Martha says... If you would have been here sooner, Lazarus wouldn't have died. But follow this. But even now, whatever word you speak will come to pass. Martha knew that when Jesus spoke the word, things would change. Martha was all in. Martha had a faith account with Jesus. She knew that when Jesus showed up, 
things would change. But listen, she had a relationship with Jesus. The Bible shows us that Martha told the messenger to tell Jesus, make sure she, he knows that it's me. Make sure, because there was an account established. There was a relationship established. And because there was a relationship established, she was trying to make a withdrawal on that relationship. But Martha said, I'm going all in with what I believe. I'm going all in with what I know that Jesus can do. And she said, if you speak the word now, even what you say, Lazarus is dead. Even if you speak the word now, it will still come to pass. Developing your faith is putting deposits in your account. Martha had a revelation of who Jesus was. This revelation brought about a dedication to know a word spoken in faith is a word that will come to pass. I love illustrations. It, I, I, it makes stories more memorable for me, and I have one here that I, I want you to hopefully make sense of. Um, I probably shouldn't show this. This is a... Um, I'll do it this way. This is the title to our travel trailer. And on this, I'm not giving it away, so don't get your hopes up. Okay, so <laughs> I saw some of your, your eyes. You're like, ooh, I'll pay attention now. Um, on, on this title, there, it, it says the year, the make, the model. It, it even has the color. Uh, it, it says name and address of the vehicle owner. and It's got our name on there and our address and... Uh, it's got the VIN number, and there's a, a lot of pertinent information to our travel trailer on this document. And, and basically, this document is saying that um, the travel trailer is my property. Well, this one actually says Adrian. So the travel trailer is... <laughs> the, the travel trailer belongs... Well, that messes up my whole illustration. So we're, I should have read that before. I forgot we put that under her name. Well... That it's Taylor and Adrian, because I'm the one who pays the bills. So, um, <laughs> but but this this travel trailer says it's it's ours. This this document says this is ours. And, and let's pretend that somebody else wanted wanted our travel trailer. And, and whenever we went home from church today, someone went into our backyard and hooked up their truck to our travel trailer and took off with it and and stole it. Um, would that travel trailer be theirs? No, but it's in their possession. And so my travel trailer's stolen. And so I got to go to the, the police and, and I got to call the police and, and say, hey, someone just stole our travel trailer. And it's, it's my favorite travel trailer I've ever owned and, and it's mine. And what's the police department going to ask? Do you have the title for that trailer? And I'm like, yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. And because I have this document, the document gives proof that the trailer is mine. Even though the trailer is not in my possession, the document that I have in my hand shows that the travel trailer is mine. I legally own the travel trailer. The, the illustration is about to make sense. The word of God in your life is like the title. The title shows that everything that the word of God says in your life is yours, but you have to have access to it. Satan came and stole what belonged to you, what was rightfully yours. He stole your health. He stole your marriage. He stole your thoughts. He stole your joy. He stole all these things, but you have the title to what you are supposed to walk in. And the word of God says you walk in health. You walk 
walk in victory. You walk in peace. You walk in joy. But you have to know that your title deed gives you right and gives you access to have what rightfully belongs to you. Thank you. We need 50 more people in here like we had. Philip's just being a little too quiet today. But whenever you understand the document that you possess gives you access to what that document states, your faith allows you to go to a place that no matter what situation you're looking at, what does the document state about that situation? Just because someone stole the trailer does not mean that the trailer is not mine. Just because it is not in my possession does not mean that the trailer is not mine. It is still rightfully my trailer. I've got to go do something and make it happen. I've got to go find that trailer. I've got to call people to go look for it. And then they begin to put out a search warrant. They begin to go out and look. And someone will find that trailer. Because... I have the deed that says it's mine. Just because it may not look like you're, you're walking in, in, in perfect health or that you're, you're not having joy or you're not walking in victory doesn't mean that you don't have access to be able to. You've got to understand that your, that your deed, your word says that you are the victor, not the victim. That you walk in joy, not depression. That joy fills your life. Get around Adrienne. You'll get joy. Get around people. There is something that the Word of God does inside of you whenever you come to a place and say, the Word of God is my standard, but the measure I use it to is the only measure that I'll allow to be walked in. That is what faith is. Faith is when you do not have what you're looking for, but you know it rightfully belongs to you. Your faith tells you that it's still yours. You have a legal right to it. Now the question becomes, am I going to walk in what the Word tells me? In your outline, write this down. Obedience is the test of true commitment. Anyone can talk a good game, but if, but if your performance is not in sync with your proclamation, then you have a failure to understand what true, authentic relationship looks like. Jo uh, Jesus said, they affirm me with their lips, but they don't act on it. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. In, in your outline, 1 John 2, many believed in him, but he would not commit himself to them because he knew they were not ready to go all. In. Top of your notes on the back, 1 John 2. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Everything that happens in your life is based on one thing. Are you ready for this? How you treat the Word of God. In your outline, faith is using the Word of God. How we treat the Word will determine what and how much we receive from God. No matter what belongs to us in Christ, you all partake of what is the measure that you are most interested in. Mm, that's good. We receive based on our interest level. It is our interest that compels us to grow in our faith. Mark 11 says, Whatsoever you desire 
Pray that you have received Him. Jesus is saying that, that to, have, to have the interest in something, that thing in which you desire. But here's what you need to remember. Out of the right relationship with God, you will begin to desire what He desires for you. When you go all in with God, you begin to think. You begin to act. You begin to talk. You begin to desire what God wants for your life. It is no longer about what you want, but what God can do through you. Remember, every new revelation comes a fresh dedication. When you go all in with God, you want your life to live and to be lived in such a way that God gets the honor, that God gets the glory, that everything you do is to represent the God in your life. There is a story in the Old Testament about a man named Esau. Esau was the oldest brother and therefore his birthright position was heir to his family's wealth. Uh, whenever you were the firstborn, that meant something. Today, it really doesn't mean much. Back then, it meant you basically controlled the family, the kids, the siblings, all that. The firstborn was the child to be. And Esau sold his birthright to his brother Jacob, get this, for a bowl of stew. <laughs> it better have been some good stew. Esau sold the blessing of being the firstborn for a temporary gain of a good stew. Christians every day exchange their biblical victories for a bowl of stew. They would rather go to the movies than spend time with God. They would rather... Go to an activity and spend time with God. And, and, and listen to me, there's nothing wrong at all with going to the movies. There's nothing wrong at all of having hobbies as long as you put the Word of God first place in your life. In your outline. The place you give the Word of God in your life shows your interest in it. If you put God last, it shows God that you're putting Him last. So therefore, why should He put you first? The level of interest that you show to something shows your commitment level to that. If I were to go out and say, hey, Josh, let's go fishing today. Josh would be all about that because he loves fishing. He sent us a picture of a big striper fish he caught the other day. That is something he enjoys. That is a priority to him. If he has something else going on, because he enjoys fishing, what's he going to do? He's going to change his plan so he can go on the fishing trip. Nothing wrong with that. That's great. It should be. Go have fun. But if you're not willing to change your plans to put church a priority, to put God a priority, it shows God your interest level in what you're putting the priority in. Paul told Timothy to stir up the gifts that are inside you. Why would he tell him to stir it up? Have you ever mixed a bowl of stew? <laughs> if you don't stir it, some things on the bottom get burned while some things at the top remain raw. There has to be a stirring in order for it to be cooked. 
the proper way. When you are all in with God, you have to stir up the things on the inside of you that God wants to pull out of you. You don't want parts of you to become raw and burned and unusable for the kingdom of God. I have noticed that the more you do something, the more you want to do it. The more I talk about golf, the more I want to go out and play golf. A few weeks ago, a bunch of us guys went out and shot some guns. I haven't shot guns in years, but after hanging out with him, shooting guns and watching him act like a little squirrely girl running around because the thing hurt so I'm just kidding, Derek. We, we were shooting these guns and it was loud and it was fun. What did I go and do? I went and bought me a new gun just for fun. I didn't even want a new gun. But because I got around other people who were excited about shooting guns, I wanted to go buy me a new gun. And what did I do? Bought a gun, bought the scope, bought the case, bought everything that goes with it. Now I already got guns over here. But because I got around somebody else who... I'm about to choke on my spit. Who, who enjoyed shooting guns. It caused me to have a passion for that very same thing. Uh, the, now here you go. The thing that got stirred up in me is the thing that caused me to go spend my time, talent, and treasure. Every spiritual thing in your life has to be stirred up. If your marriage stinks, stir it up. If your relationships stink, stir it up. If your walk with God stinks, if whatever you're going through stinks, stir it up. you have got to stir up the things that God has put on the inside of you because at some point you've allowed one of those things that marinated to fall to the bottom and get burned or to rise to the top and go uncooked so it becomes unusable for what God wants to do. You've got to stir up the gifts that are inside of you. Stir up the passions that are on the inside of you. Whenever you walk a stirred up life, I'm telling you, begin to walk in faith the way that God can use you. And when God can use you in that way, it stirs you up even more. Stir up the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. When you go all in with God, you get stirred up. You get fired up. You get motivated. You get excited. You don't look at the day and say, oh, I got another day. No, you look at the day and say, guess what? I get to do this for today. I get to do this. I love waking up every morning. I love what I get to do. Adrienne loves what she gets to do. I get excited about doing what God's called me to do. I absolutely, I get stirred up. But you know what? When I first started owning my business, I didn't care for it. It's a lot of manual labor. It's a lot of work. But the more I do it, the better I got. And I start hiring people. Then I start doing more things. It becomes better and better and better. And it stirs me up. I stirred that pot. And whatever pot I stirred is the one that gets used. I'm going to touch on that in a second. That's good. How do you go all in in your faith? Get around, number one, the right people. The influences that you have in your life will determine the direction you go. This is why constant church attendance is important. It's not because we want more people in the seats. It's because whenever you get inside church, what happens? You get stirred up. It stirs something up in you. Unstirred people will not help you stay stirred. <laughs> we can finish on that one. Unstirred people will not help you stay stirred. Be careful who, you're, who you allow to be a part of your life stirring. Everyone is stirring something. I saw a couple weeks ago, huge push on social media. Pack the palace. 
Oh, use game. It was fun. It was exciting. I didn't go. But what was happening? A pot was getting stirred. Coach is doing a great job stirring a pot in Norman. And what's it causing you to do? Get excited about it. It's a pot that's getting stirred. That's great. What pot are you stirring? Be careful who you run around with. Because what they're stirring will become important to you. And if they're not stirring the right things, the wrong things will become important to you. The second way to go all in with God or to go all in with our faith, number two, get interested in the right things. Get interested in the right things. You make time for church attendance. You make time for reading your Bible. You make time for fellowshipping with other believers. You make time for fun. You make time, you make your calling a priority. When you start going all in, in the right things, the right things will come out of you. Number three, get the right attitude. (laughs) Get the right attitude. Change the way you think. Your attitude is what separates you from going from good to great or staying in a rut. Have you ever been around people that every time you talk to them, they just wear you out? That's the biggest amen we got. (laughs) I think you know what to do then. I'm not going to go down that road. You got to get the right. Those people will suck your life. They will suck the fun out of life. They suck the joy out of life. I'm not going to finish the last phrase, but they just... They suck it right out of you, don't they, Debbie? John Maxwell. I'm sorry, you guys. Welcome to Pathway Church. (laughs) John Maxwell said, your attitude will determine your altitude meaning. If you have a positive attitude, you have a victory mindset, you will no longer see the problem the way your problem exists. You will see the problem through the eyes of joy, through the the eyes of Jesus. You You will see the problem through the eyes of what the Word says. Your attitude will determine your altitude. The level that you fly at will be determined by the level of attitude that you have about that thing. You see your problems differently. We, we talked about it last week when Joseph was cast out of his family, sold into slavery, thrown into prison. If his attitude would have let him got him down, he would have never become the most influential person in all of Egypt. His attitude said, I'm going to remain close to God no matter what. I have a family member who works inside of a a particular building that has four co-workers who they all do kind of the same thing. And the family member said, I love what I get to do, but the people I work with, they're boring, they don't help each other, they're not a team aspect. And this person said, I hate doing what I do now. Went in to the job this past year Loving it. But the people around him caused him to hate it. No one wants to be around sad sack, negative, willy mouth whiners. If you get around me and start whining, I'm going to stir a pot in a different direction. 
I'm not going to finish that statement. Okay. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. When you're following Christ, your attitude should look like Christ. So therefore, the attitude that you have is what the Word of God says. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, mercy. You walk in the fruits of the Spirit, which you need to do a lesson on. That becomes the lifestyle which we live. You stir that pot. When you stir that pot, you get to walk in your giftings. You get to walk in your calling. You get to walk in joy. But if you stir the pot of negativism, what are you going to do? You're going to grow negativity. You're stirring that pot. Whatever pot you stir is what you walk in. Adrian um, went the other night with some girls to the concert. And normally, like last night, 8 o'clock, Adrienne was in bed. She's out. <clears throat> She's gone. But that concert started at 7, didn't get over till 10. She got home like at 11 or something. And she just talked my ear off. I'm like, goodness gracious, you need more friends. Like, what in the... She got around you people, some of the ladies here, and it motivated her. It excited her. She stirred that pot. And whenever she stirred that pot, it made her more excited. So thank you for stirring her pot. Go do it again. Get her out of the house. No, I'm just kidding. Just <laughs> Your attitude determines if you stay with it or not. If you have the right attitude, when little hiccups come along the way, it's going to cause you to stay the course. It's going to cause you to fight the fight. It's the ones who are flighty. They're up one minute, down one minute. Up one minute, down one minute. Stay away from me. I want constant. I want steadiness. I want consistency because those are the ones who fight the good fight of fate and they win the race because they're stirring the pot continually. They're not cooking the, the, the pot on Monday and they forget about it till Sunday and cook it again on Sunday. and forget. No, no, no. They're stirring that pot continually and there's consistency in their life. The fourth way to go all in with God. Write it down. Get the word in you. In greening right below. This is powerful. The only word that works in you is the one grafted in you. Hmm. Neglected word does not work. We talked about it at the beginning. The measure of the word that is operating in your life is under your control. You meditate on the word of God daily. You feed on the word. You show interest to the word. And the word will begin to work in your behalf. You stir that pot. And number five, how do we go all in? I save the hardest and the easiest and the best for last. Get moving. Get moving. Step out of your comfort zone. We talked about it with our prayer team this morning that this church isn't like any other church you've been a part of. If you think you can just come and sit and show up and leave, it's not the church for you. If you want to walk in your calling, this is the church for you. You want to step out in faith, this is the church for you. You want to grow in the things that God's called you to grow in, this is the church for you. I refuse to pastor a church of washed up has-beens. We pastor a church that is hungry for a pursuit 
to know God more. We are hungry to see the power of God demonstrated. We are hungry to see a move of God take place. We hunger for the anointing of God to manifest in our lives. We hunger to live a life that is pleasing and yielding to the Holy Spirit so it's a pot that we will continually stir inside your life because we've got to go all in. Can you imagine going to an OU football game and just sitting down doing nothing? Who would have the bad time there? How come everyone else is having a good time but you? So apparently you have more control over yourself than you think you do. When you come to church, even when our drummer and stuff's not here, and the music's mediocre, sorry, my fault. <laughs> Go all in. When you're praying, praying for somebody, receiving prayer, go all in. When you hear the message for the day, be a part of it. Go all in. When you're away from here on Sunday afternoon and God puts something in your heart to do, go all in. Riddles are somewhat our neighbors. Great, great, great people. And I hope you guys don't mind me saying this. They're all in. They're here. They're praying for people. They're giving. They're at prayer this morning. We're sharing and he's like, let me pray. I, we walk around in circles. I see her first one up here with her hands raised. Worshiping God, they're all in. How come they get blessed? I'll use you, Kevin, I don't mean this. But Kevin over here doesn't show up. He shows up 20 minutes late. He just sits there, doesn't come to prayer, doesn't get involved. How come they get blessed and he doesn't? How come he blames God and they don't? One of them stirred the pot and they went all in. Our church... Is going all in. In my books, we're just a few months old. I know we started meeting at COVID and all that stuff changed, but I, I kind of took over in January and we had seven people. Easter, we had 69. God's doing something. But we got to go all in. Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in, and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.